the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program is brought to you by Bridgeway Community Church. Welcome to Real Talk with Dr. David Anderson. My name is Tony Penny, assistant producer of Real Talk. Today, we'll be doing something a little different. This week, we will enjoy two messages from Dr. Anderson that he gave at Bridgeway Community Church in Columbia, Maryland. It's a series called So What? Now What? The first message, So What?, is addressing sowing and reaping generously from 2 Corinthians 8 and 9. Today's show will have limited interruptions and is brought to you by Home Fix Custom Remodeling. Does your home need any improvements? Ours did. In fact, Amber and I called Home Fix Custom Remodeling, HCR, and we got a new Master Elite roof. And guess what? Once that was installed, we started saving, listen, over $100 per month on energy bills. Not bad, right? Not to mention when we needed new windows and doors, guess who we called? HCR. That's right. And our energy bills are even less because of it. So if you need an efficient solution, ways to keep your home safe and your family safer, make sure you call HCR. Ask for Gus when you call. Tell him that I sent you. Here's his number. You ready? 888-991-2427. And by the way, they also specialize in a wide range of other products like energy-efficient siding, doors, trim, and gutters. And let's not forget those walk-in tubs and showers for those aging gracefully among us. Let's put it like that. And all of this with a lifetime-inclusive warranty. Call HCR, 888-991-2427, and tell Gus Dr. Anderson sent you. Please welcome Dr. David Anderson with a message called, So What? Are you in a place of mo money, low money, or no money? Are you in a place of mo money, low money, or no money? On Thursday, Annie called me on my radio talk show, Real Talk, with Dr. David Anderson, and she says, Pastor... I was in a place of mo money. I was making $10,000 a month. I was giving to the Lord, and I was budgeting it well. But now I'm in a place of low money, where I'm only making $2,000 per month. My rent slash mortgage is $1,500 a month. And then there are other bills, food and gas and all that, that take up the other $500. So she wasn't quite sure what she's supposed to do because she couldn't make ends meet. And she wanted to know, how can I give to the Lord when I don't have enough money to give? And she wanted my counsel on this. If you were in my shoes, what would you have told her? What, what word would you have given to Annie? Anybody over here in this section got a word for Annie? Anybody? You ain't in that section, but okay, let me come to your section. How about this section? Volunteer? All right, so you tell her use her talents, even though she doesn't have treasures, finances. Anybody over here, what would you tell Annie to do? Mm-hmm. Up there, what would you say? What'd she say? You're hiring. 
Amen. Give me your information afterward. Anybody else? What would you tell her to do? Open anybody. Keep, keep tithing. What she say? Have faith. Yeah, that's a position I'm put in, right, all the time. When I'm asked these questions, you're asked these questions, and on behalf of God, you want to try to give somebody the right answer. And it's not easy, right? We didn't get a lot of answers from you because it's a, a real human situation where you're thinking, hey, look, maybe I'm in that situation of low money or no money, and you want to ask me to give, you know? Uh, and, and then there's people who have more money, and they're mad that you asked to give. So either way, you talk about money, people get mad sometimes. But in this case, I appreciated her heart, and I affirmed her because she actually wanted to do what was right. She wanted to give. She was just saying, Pastor, how can I, when it's 1500 bucks a month and 500 bucks left over where I have to pay and, uh, my, my other bills and, and get food, how can I give to the Lord? So let me tell you what I told her. I said, Annie, what I want you to do is first tell me when's the next time you get paid. And she said, I get paid on the 15th of this month. I said, okay, okay. What I want you to do on the 15th, as soon as you get your paycheck, I want you to give something to the Lord. Something. I don't care what it is. It's $10, $20, $30, whatever it is, I want you to take the first of what you have and give it to the Lord. That's called a first fruits offering. That's when you're giving God from the top, from the first, not in the last leftover. I spend everything else, and if I have money left over, I give it to God. God is not asking for the leftovers. He's asking for the first fruits. So what I want you to do is you choose the amount, decide in your heart, that's cool, but give something, even if it's 10 bucks. And I said, then what I want you to do is give that gift of whatever it is you decide in faith and with a prayer. And I want you to pray three things. First of all, I want you to pray a prayer of thanksgiving when you give the gift. Thanking God that you even have something that you can give. It's better to have something you can give than nothing you can give, right? So thank you, God, that I have something I can give you. The second part of the prayer is I want you not only to pray a prayer of thanksgiving, but I want you to pray a prayer of multiplication. Say, God, as I give you this, would you multiply this? Seed that I'm putting in the ground, would you bear much fruit from it? Multiply the gift that I am giving to you. How many of you know God can multiply things that you can't even see? That God can actually multiply that which you sow into uh, someone or something else. And I say the third part of your prayer, 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 thanksgiving, a prayer, multiplication, and, and then pray a prayer, third and finally, of commitment. She says, what do you mean? Commit to God that however he blesses you from the time you put this offering in to the next check that you're going to get on the 15th, make a commitment to give 10% of however he blesses you. And she said, Wow. I got it. So you want me to give something and then pray that when God blesses me over the next, uh, between this paycheck and the next pay- paycheck, that I'm going to give 10% of whatever that blessing is. I said, yes. She got so excited about it. Why? Because she's doing something that we all should be doing, and that is we should always be connecting to God's divine economy. You see, now she's getting in to God's divine economy by obeying, giving something, and then by praying, trusting that God can do something with the little that she gives. You see, we happen to serve a God who can do a lot with a little. In fact, God can take a little faith and do a lot. God is a God who knows how to multiply. He just wants Annie to get in on what he's up to. 
There are all kinds of economies in the world, international and global economies. There is Western economy and Eastern economy. There's a traditional economy. There's market economy. There's mixed economy. There's command economy. All those of you who went to school and know all about the different economies, there are a lot of economies. But no matter what kind of economy it is, they're all human economies. What we're talking about today, regardless of what country you're from, regardless of what part of the world you're from, what we're talking about today is connecting with God's divine economy. An economy that is different than what you and I would normally see as a mathematician or an accountant. God says in his word, from the passage we're going to look at in the Old Testament, then we're going to transition to a New Testament passage. He actually says, test me in this. So, Annie, what you're doing is you're testing God. Now, God doesn't give us permission to test him in anything else. But this is the one time in scripture God actually says, test me in this. No, you shouldn't try God. No, you shouldn't tempt God. But yes, you can test God when it comes to money because he said so. Now, let me prove it to you. Go with me to Malachi chapter 3. This is the last book in the Old Testament. And in chapter 3, we find a conversation between God and his people. And we'll pick it up right around verse 8. And this is what it says. Will a man rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how do we rob you? In tithes and offerings. You are under a curse, the whole nation of you, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. And see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have room enough for it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops and the vines in your fields will not cast their fruit, says the Lord Almighty. Then all the nations will call you blessed for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. God tells us to put him to the test. I told Annie to put God to the test. Give something and give it with, the, with prayer and faith. And then when God blesses you, you're going to agree ahead of time to give him at least 10% of the blessing. I think she was so excited about it because she realized in that moment that, wow, now I have new anticipation. Before I wasn't even expectant. Now I'm expectant. I'm obedient and I'm expectant. I'm obedient because I'm going to give something. I'm expected because now maybe God will actually do something with my faith in my prayer. She is now connecting to God's divine economy. And in this passage that we just read, we found that God is saying, bring your tithes into the storehouse. You're robbing me when you don't give tithes and offerings. In fact, with this passage, we see that his, his promises to us when we actually obey him to give up the tithes and the offerings. In fact, it tells us that there are three outcomes, three promises that God will give us right from this passage when we connect to his divine economy. Now, before I get to those three promises, let me clarify the difference between a tithe and an offering. A tithe is 10%, 10% of your earnings. So if you make $100,000, you get your giving statement, you should have given at least $10,000 away to the work of the Lord. That's a tithe. An offering, then, is anything above and beyond the 10% that you give to God. 
So that's why they call them tithes and offerings. Now, I believe that you should give your tithe to the storehouse. It says bring the whole tithe to the storehouse so my people might have food. Now, this was a, a uh, traditional economy where they were dealing with, with uh, food and animals, and so their tithes was that kind of a uh, sort of an agricultural system. And what God is saying is you're supposed to bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. Now, offerings are the things that you give even beyond. So it could be for the, for the special offering we're taking. It can be uh, sponsoring children. Uh, it can be sponsoring ministries that we're doing around the world. You can be giving it to a family member in Jesus' name. Whatever it is, you, of course you have freedom to give of the tithes and the offerings. But God is saying, out of obedience, you need to at least bring 10% into the storehouse. So the math is real easy. What happens is we make the math complicated. And then we want to we move around what God does when it comes to straight up math here. Um, now, someone said uh, in both services, uh, you know, and I suspect in the services to come, that if she doesn't have, Annie ought to serve. Service is not giving of money. There's a difference. Talents and treasure. We don't substitute those. We don't say, well, I don't have the money, so therefore I'm going to give time. No, whether you have money or not, you give time. You don't say, because I I don't have time, I'm going to give money. No, you're supposed to make time to serve the Lord wherever you go. And you're supposed to pray always. You're supposed to always be connected to the Lord. So there's no substitution here. God wants you to give up your time. Yes, that's a different sermon. God wants you to give earned income. Cash. Let me spell it. C-A-S-H. Cash. Dollars. Moolah. Cheddar. Cheese. Whatever you want to call it. You understand? Can you say cash? Money. Money. That's what God's talking about. Money. Not substitute for money. Money. Okay? He wants you to give of your earnings. Now, we get very mathematical and become economics, uh, economists when it comes to this. Which reminds me of the joke of the mathematician, the accountant, and the economist who were all applying for the same job. And when the mathematician was with the interviewee, the interviewee asked the question, what is two plus two equal? To which the mathematician says, four. The interviewer says, four exactly? And the mathematician says, yes, four exactly. Then the accountant comes in, and it's now time for the accountant to interview, and the interviewer says, what's two plus two? The accountant says, uh, on average, four, give or take 10%, but on average, four. Then the economist comes in. The interviewer asks him this question, what is two plus two equal? The economist immediately gets up, closes the door, closes the shades, sits down next to the interviewer and says, what do you want it to equal? What do you want it to (laughs) The whole point of the punchline is that God's not looking for economists who fudge the numbers. He's not looking for people to get all creative. It's just straight up hard-earned cash. Don't get fuzzy with the numbers. Don't fudge the numbers. And don't spiritualize it by saying, I can't give, so I'm going to serve. No, that's not enough. God is saying, I want you to serve anyway, whether you can give or not. But giving is about another kind of obedience. 
And so it's very clear when we look at your bottom line and my bottom line, when you look at your budget and my budget, it's very clear whether this is an area where we're actually honoring God or not. God is not looking for people who are creative with their finances when it comes to whether we're going to give him the tithe or the offering or not. He's looking for servants, stewards, givers who understand that God is the creator of the universe, and he gives all good gifts well. See, God's economy is not based on the human economic theory or system. It's based on his divine purpose and heavenly protocols that supersede a market-based economy. So having said all that now and clarifying, hopefully, the difference between tithe and the offering, now let's look at the promises God actually gives us for this obedience. We find it right here in the text. Malachi chapter 3 is where we were, so let's go back there. And in Malachi chapter 3, we began to see the first promise. This is what it says. Will a man rob God? You've robbed me, but you asked, how do we rob you in tithes and offerings? And then he says, if you basically test him in this, it says, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have room to receive it in verse 10. So here's the first promise. Poured out blessings. Poured out blessings. That if you will bring your tithes and offerings into the storehouse, he will pour out blessings. He will open up a window and pour out blessings in your life. He actually promises that you won't even have room to receive it. He's going to bless you so good. Which means what happens is when you don't have room, you begin to give away out of your overflow. It means that when you get so blessed, you can't help but be a blessing. It means that God has blessed you to such a degree you can't help but pull somebody else alongside and say, how can I bless you? Remember our theme last year was bless the world. You just want to you just want to bless people because you've been so blessed. You can't help yourself but be generous and bless other people. How many of you would love to be a blessing to other people? You said, God, bless me so I can be a blessing. Don't just bless me for myself. Bless me for other people. Anybody want that in their life? I mean, I love that when I actually feel like I can bless other people because I've been blessed. Like, I can't even help myself. It, it makes me excited. I, I love to be able uh, to give to God and to give to others because God has given so much to me. Promise number one is poured out blessings. But check out promise number two, and we find it in verse 11. He says, I will prevent pests from devouring your crops, and the vines of your fields will not cast their fruit says the Lord God Almighty, says the Lord Almighty. Did you see it? Here's the second promise, the prevention of pests. God will not only pour out blessing in your life, but he will prevent pests. Anybody like some pests out there life? I ain't talking about the person you came to church with. I'm talking about the, 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 things that, the things that can come and devour the very good stuff that you have. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops. And the vines in your fields from casting their fruit. In other words, you you produce fruit, but it's no good. It's terrible that that you would work so hard to produce something and then it gets devoured or it becomes ruined. We talked about this at the partners meeting from Luke chapter 5 where Peter was with his uh, others uh, fishing. And they were fishing all night, caught no fish. And so the Lord says, well, go ahead and put your net in the water. He said, but Lord, all night we've been fishing, but because you said so, we'll do it. 
And then, of course, they caught so much fish because of the miracle God did. They didn't have room enough to, to, to handle it, and they didn't have enough strength to handle it. So they had to signal their partners from around, and together everyone grabbed a piece of the net to capture all the fish. And then God says, I will make you fishers of men. I have a divine purpose in this. But what does it feel like when you're a businessman and this is your skill and you've had success in the past and yet you've been working all night and you caught no fish? There's nothing more frustrating than when you work so hard to do something right, but it doesn't produce the outcome you're looking for. Have you ever been there? Have you ever worked so hard to do what was right, worked so hard to do something well, and it still didn't produce the results you were looking for? You worked so hard for the relationship, but it didn't produce what you were looking for. You worked so hard for the business, but it didn't produce what you were looking for. You worked so hard at your investments, but it didn't produce the dividends you were hoping for. And here these men were working all night. They worked so hard, they probably even won fishing awards. This was their business. This was their income. What's worse is when you did something well before and it did work out, now you're doing something again and it doesn't work out. And you're saying, but hang on, I was good at this before. I've worked hard. I know what I'm doing. I know what my skill is, and yet it's not producing the outcome that I want. What the Lord says is, listen, if you will hook up with the divine economy of Almighty God, not only will I pour out a blessing that you don't even have room enough to receive, but I will prevent the pest from literally devouring what you do have, casting your fruit to the ground as useless. In other words, God is saying, because I'm pouring out blessings, you can lose all those blessings, but what I'm going to do, because you are connected to the divine economy of God, is I'm going to prevent evil from coming to devour the very thing that you've been working so hard on. For some of you, it's not that you can't make money. It's not that you can't buy stuff. It's that everything you put your hand to, it succeeds, and then it gets taken away. It's not because God didn't keep his promise to bless you. He did. But because you stopped being connected to the divine economy, he said, you know what? I've blessed you and kept blessing you, but you keep losing it because I'm not preventing the pest from devouring the very thing that you tasted before. What's worse is when you've tasted it and it's good, and then now you taste it and it's sour. What's worse is when you've had success and the very thing that you've produced now becomes devoured, falling like fruit to the ground that has bruises all over it. What God is saying, the blessing is twofold. It's not only what I give you, but it's what I prevent. From taking away the very thing that I've blessed you with. And he promises if you hook up with this divine economy. That he will not only bless you. But he'll keep the pest away. And prevent bad from coming to take the very thing. That he blessed you with. But there's a third promise. We find it in verse 12. It says. Then all the nations will call you blessed. And yours will be a delightful land says the Lord Almighty. At the end of each of these three promises is the phrase, says the Lord Almighty. God says this as a promise to you. And here's the third blessing, and that's prosperity. Prosperity is what we've been talking about as our theme all year, hug prosperity. Prosperity should produce humility. It should produce unity, not isolation. And it should produce generosity. 
and those who are prosperous, it goes on to say, you, other nations will see that you are blessed, for yours will be a delightful land. You see, God not only blesses you and then prevents pests from taking that, but God then prospers you so other people can actually see that you are blessed and they glorify your Father in heaven. You become a delightful land. Wouldn't you love to be, and some of you are, I know, a delightful land? A place that other people look to and say, man, when I connect up with you, I just feel like, like there's a delight about you. There's a peace about you. There's a connection that I want to have with you because you are blessed. And that is the beauty of being connected to God's divine economy. It's a testimony to other people. And the scripture says in 1 Peter 3.15, when other people ask for the hope that is in you, you're able to then tell them about me. It says that they will glorify your Father in heaven when they see you. When you are a delightful land, you are a testimony and a place that other people want to come and eat of your fruit. Other people want to come and be in the land of your atmosphere and presence. God is saying, when you connect to my divine economy, I will pour out blessings to you. I will prevent uh, the pests from coming to devour you. And I will prosper you to such a degree that others will see that prosperity, that joy, and you will be a delightful land that will draw others to come to you. And when they do, you'll say glory to God. And then he will receive the glory. Isn't that something that you want? It's something that I want. I want to be a delightful land. I want to be a person that's producing all kinds of fruit so people can come into the atmosphere and the orbit of my life and receive. We're going to press pause right there for a short commercial break. When we return, we will continue Dr. Anderson's message, So What? 2017 has been a crazy year in the mortgage industry. The Fed told everyone they were going to raise rates. Interest rates were expected to rise. And then the unexpected happened. Hey everyone, this is Mike. And this is Brian of Fellowship Home Loans. And what we've seen so far is the perfect storm, something we rarely see in the mortgage industry. We've seen some of the lowest interest rates in history and some of the highest home values ever. Usually it's one or the other, but this combination has created a perfect scenario for anyone that's looking to do something with their mortgage. Whether you want to take cash out for home improvements, pay off debt, eliminate PMI, or consolidate loans, now is the time. Give us a call today at 800-804-SAVE. That's 800-804-7283 or online at fellowshiphomeloans.com. Come and get your loan, Fellowship Home Loans. Intercontinental Capital Group, DBA, Fellowship Home Loans, Equal Housing Opportunity Lender, NMLS number 60134. Hi, you may recognize my voice. For years, I've been doing the commercials for Vein Clinics of America. The really funny thing is, is I had bulging varicose and spider veins for years and didn't do anything about it. There were whole summers I'd play the cover-up game and suffer because I didn't want to wear shorts or skirts. Listen, when your veins are bulging out the back of your legs, you don't want people to see. It's embarrassing and painful. So I finally did something and I went to Vein Clinics of America. It was so much easier than I thought. My treatments only took about an hour and I went right back to work. And now I'm wearing shorts and my legs look and feel amazing. Best of all, my insurance covered the procedure. So stop hiding. Call Vein Clinics of America now. They're the best. They're the largest. And they've been helping people restore their legs for over 35 years. There's absolutely no reason to suffer any longer. Call Vein Clinics now for your free fast track consultation. Call 800 
800-885-8181. That's 800-885-8181. Futures and options trading involves substantial risk and is not suitable for all investors. Fire the stockbroker and hire yourself. I'm Larry Levin, and I've been on the trading floor for 23 years. I was one of the biggest traders in the S&P pit. I'm also the president of Trading Advantage, the leading educational firm teaching people how to become professional day traders. Now, for a limited time, I'm offering one of the trading techniques I use to make $1.9 million for free. Get started right now by calling 800-489-8876. Leave your email address on my voicemail, and I'll email you my free trading technique and daily insider's market report at no cost to you. This is the very information I use to build my fortune. I was getting ready to retire. I still needed to make extra income, but I didn't want to work for anyone else. Because of Larry and his excellent instructors, I could trade successfully for myself, and I'll never have to work for someone else again. Fire the stockbroker and hire the most dependable person you know, you. Again, call in the next 90 minutes. Leave your email address on my voicemail, 800-489-8876. Call 800-489-8876. 800-489-8876. Welcome back to Real Talk with Dr. David Anderson. We'll continue Dr. Anderson's message in a moment. For resources from Dr. Anderson, please visit andersonspeaks.com. For more information about Bridgeway, please visit www.bridgeway.cc. Now, back to the good doc. You see, God not only blesses you and then prevents pests from taking the very blessing away that you have, but God then prospers you so other people can actually see that you are blessed and they glorify your Father in heaven. You become a delightful land. Wouldn't you love to be, and some of you are, I know, a delightful land? A place that other people look to and say, man, when I connect up with you, I just feel like, like there's a delight about you. There's a peace about you. There's a connection that I want to have with you because you are blessed. And that is the beauty of being connected to God's divine economy. It's a testimony to other people. And the scripture says in 1 Peter 3.15, when other people ask for the hope that is in you, you're able to then tell them about me. It says that they will glorify your Father in heaven when they see you. When you are a delightful land, you are a testimony and a place that other people want to come and eat of your fruit. Other people want to come and be in the land of your atmosphere and presence. God is saying, when you connect to my divine economy, I will pour out blessings to you. I will prevent uh, the pest from coming to devour you. And I will prosper you to such a degree that others will see that prosperity, that joy, and you will be a delightful land that will draw others to come to you. And when they do, you'll say glory to God. And then he will receive the glory. Isn't that something that you want? It's something that I want. I want to be a delightful land. I want to be a person that's producing all kinds of fruit so people can come into the atmosphere and the orbit of my life and receive good stuff, not bad stuff. There's too much drama with so many people. They don't have a delightful land at all. They have a land that's wicked and a land that is full of criticism and full of legalism and full of hate and, and racism. I, I want to be a delightful land. I want to be a place where people are drawn to say there's something about you. There's something about your ministry. There's something about your life. What is it? And then I can say glory to God. It's the one who I'm connected to. I'm a part of his divine program. And as a result of that, I want to be a delightful land. 
Well, there are the three blessings right there found in Malachi. You have the verses to go with it in 10, 11, and 12 of Malachi chapter 3. Now, before I shift over now to the New Testament, because now we've talked about first fruits giving, that's what this Old Testament process is all about, giving of your first fruits, your tithes, and your offering. I'm going to shift over now to the New Testament to move from first fruits giving to faith giving. But before I talk about this generous faith giving, I think it'd be a good place to put a pen in and to take a pause to give you a practical application based on what we've learned so far. And before you move too quickly from Malachi, I want you to note that the practical application actually comes from verses 6 and 7. This is what God says. I, the Lord, do not change. So you, O descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. Ever since the time of your forefathers, you have turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. Our practical application comes from that verse. God says, basically, you have turned from me, and I want you to return to me. And then they said, well, Lord, how, in verse 7, how, how are we to return to you? And that's when we get to the key passage we read, where God says, will a man rob God? Yet you've robbed me. In other words, one of the ways we've turned away from God is not being connected to God's divine economy. So here's the practical application, if you're willing to hear it from your brother here. And that is this. Repent of robbing God. He says, if you return to me, I'll return to you. How do we return to you, Lord? Stop robbing me. If you've been robbing God of the tithe and of your offerings, repent. That means turn back to God and say, God, look, I'm so sorry. I remember when I used to tithe, God, I'm so sorry. I, I, I stopped doing it. I was mad at the church. I was mad at the pastor. I was mad at you. I don't know. I, get, I lost my job, whatever it is. Remember, God's not looking at the amount. He's looking at the, he's looking at the first fruit and the faith. And he's saying, look, stop it. Return to me. So if you can hear from your brother this message, The best practical application you can do is to repent, which means turn back to God and tell God you're sorry and then start to do what's right. And if your faith is not strong enough to start at the 10% Old Testament rule level, start at 2%. Do what I said uh, to to Annie to do. Give something. And then pray that when God blesses you, you're going to then give 10%. That at least gets you on the plan of the divine economy. Do you hear the voice of the Lord here? Okay, now let's pause and breathe, and let's run to the New Testament before you fall out. God, please get out of Malachi. All right, come on, come on. That's enough. I'm not beating on you. That's enough. Now let's move to the New Testament. Because when we talked about the first fruits given, that's giving from the front end. But now we're going to talk about faith giving, because what God does, it's not like he erases the tithe. What he does is he raises the game. The tithe in the Old Testament was the the ceiling. In the New Testament, it's the floor. In fact, tithes and offerings equaled about 23% for the Jews because there was a 10%, and then there were all these other uh, sort of taxes and stuff that they had to give, and so it was like 23%. That's almost a quarter. And so now we're in the New Testament, and we find the rule that actually 
God owns it all. And so it's not like he erases the tithe, he just raises the game and says, you know what? It used to be give 10% and you own 90. How about this? I own 100 of it and you're my steward. You're my manager. And so what I want you to do now, of course, is to give the 10% and to give the offerings. But I want you to steward this thing hearing from me. But I want you to do it with a heart that I have and a mind that I have. And so then what we do is we find the heart and the mind of God in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. So I want you to go with me there if you have a copy of the scriptures. If not, we'll put it up. You can read it with us. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. And I'm going to actually have you read this one verse with me out loud in verse 6. So if you can put 9, 6 up on the screen. Let's read this together. This is what it says. Ready, set, go. Remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generous. Let's do it one more time. Remember this, whoever sows will reap and whoever sows generously will also reap. There you go. So in other words, God is saying you get what you give. And if you give generously, you'll get generosity back. If you sow a little, you'll reap a little. But notice that faith giving in this passage has some qualities with it that I want you to see because God, again, is looking at the heart and and the mind of Christ here, and he doesn't want you to feel this extra guilt when you're giving. Guilt offerings are an Old Testament thing. God is not into guilt offerings. God is into faith offerings that actually bless you and bless him at the same time. I want you to keep reading in this passage with me, but now I'm going to move to verse 7. And this is what it says in verse 7. It says, each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. So we see in this passage that God is telling us a couple things about the person who is a generous faith giver. In fact, let me name five things that come out of of this passage that helps you see whether you're a generous faith giver or not. Number one. A generous faith giver decides in their heart. It actually says it in verse 7. You were supposed to give what is decided. Now understand that the Corinthian people were planning a gift to give to the Apostle Paul when him and his team showed up. And so he was really excited that they had already decided in their heart to give. He's going to send some people ahead of time to make sure the gift is all good to go. So when they show up, there'll be no surprises. And in verse 7, it actually says uh, what you have decided to give. Each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give. So God wants you to make a decision in your heart to give. All right. So that's the first thing. Here's the second thing. What I want you to do is go up to the top of the passage now. In chapter 9, right around verse 1 and 2, listen to what it says, and we're going to pick up some other words. It says, there is no need for me to write you about this service to the saints, for I know your eagerness to help. Highlight the word eagerness. What does a generous faith giver do? They give what they've decided in their heart, and secondly, they give eagerly. And I have been boasting about it to the Macedonians, telling them this since last year, you and Ikea were ready to give. You see the word ready to give. A generous faith giver is ready to give. And your enthusiasm has stirred most of them to action. So they're enthusiastic in their giving. So what do we find? We find, number one, they decide in their hearts to give. Number two, they're eager to help. Number three, they're ready to give. Number four, they're enthusiastic in their spirit of giving, and it's contagious to other people. 
Number five, they're cheerful in their giving. Go back down to verse seven, and it says, each man should give what he's decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion. God loves a cheerful giver, which means hilarious. These givers are laughing about it because they are cheerful about it. This is not a guilt thing. This is a fun thing. And it says that these generous faith givers have these five qualities. They decided in their heart. They're eager to help. They're ready to give. They're enthusiastic in spirit. They're cheerful when they give. Prepared, decisive, eager, ready, enthusiastic. What kind of words are these? You would never say these are words that are attached to an offering. But it's true. Most people feel these kind of words after they get a good dividend off of an investment. But here, these believers having this kind of spirit before they make the investment. Because they know that they're investing in the kingdom of God. And they know that it's not only an act of obedience from the Old Testament, but it's an act of abundance in the New Testament. First fruits offering is a part of obedience, but faith giving is a part of abundance. And the generosity of faith to give brings joy to the heart. In fact, we see these five qualities of generous faith givers, but they're also qualities of faithless givers. Who are faithless givers? We see another list of five. We pick it up in verse 3. He says, I want to make sure to send my brothers in order that our boasting about you in this matter should not prove hollow. So one of the things that a faithless giver does is he gives a gift that's hollow. They say they're going to give something, but at the end of the day, there's no substance there. God's not looking for hollow gifts. It goes on, it says in verse 4 that uh, the un- he doesn't want them to be unprepared. It says in verse 4, for if, the ma- for, for if any Macedonians come with me and find you unprepared, we, not to say anything about you, would be ashamed in having been so confident. In other words, he doesn't want an unprepared uh, sort of a deal because then what happens is you feel compulsion. Now, I'm not talking about spontaneous giving. Sometimes we'll do spontaneous giving here. All right. But spontaneous giving that's unprepared is because the spirit of God has moved upon you. But prepared giving means that you've actually thought about it. You've planned it. You've prayed over it. So you don't want your gift to be hollow. You don't want your gift to be unprepared. And then in verse five, it goes even further. Check out the negative words here. So I thought it necessary to urge the brothers to visit you in advance and finish the arrangements for the generous gift you had promised. Then it will be ready as a generous gift, not as one what? Grudgingly given. God doesn't want a grudging gift. And then you get down to verse 7, which we've read a couple of times now, but he actually uses two other words. He says, you are supposed to give what you've decided in your heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion. So we see another list of five. Faithless givers, or the way giving, faith giving is not to be, is number one, hollow, number two, unprepared, number three, grudging, number four, reluctant, number five, under compulsion. In fact, let's look at those lists together side by side. Here's a a chart on the screen. Look at it for a second. This is the review what we've talked about and ask yourself the question, what side the generous faith givers or the faithless givers reflect your heartbeat and your mindset. Don't you want it to be the generous faith givers list? 
I know I do. So here's another practical application. Ask God to give you his heartbeat and mindset for generosity. Ask God for that list right there. Say, God, this is what I want to be true of my heartbeat and my mindset. And remember the promises from Malachi. Poured out blessings, prevent pests, and prosper you before others. If that's the case, who wouldn't be cheerful and enthusiastic and eager and ready to give to God after all he's done for us? Who wouldn't want to be connected to his divine economy when we realize that we experience obedience, abundance, and a sense of purpose when we are absolutely connected to him? It intoxicates our spirit, and it's the best sense of the word of intoxication. When you connect to the divine purpose of God and you're connected to his divine economy, it intoxicates your spirit with a sense of joy that we sung with at the top of the service. And a sense of generosity that blesses us more than it can bless anybody else, it feels like. Because God has blessed me so much, I cannot help but be a blessing. Because God has touched me so much, I cannot help but want to touch other people. And because God has helped me so much, I can't help but want to help somebody else. God is not into guilt giving. God doesn't want compulsive givers. God doesn't want givers who, who, who are mad because they've got to give. Our church is not about trying to make you feel guilty to give. Some of us came out of churches like that. And God rest his soul. My dad had a church, a black Baptist church. It was a missionary Baptist church. I don't know of any missionaries they actually sent out, but the ladies wore white. And you used to have three offerings at least. We're not talking about that. Make you feel guilty. You remember like three offerings. For us, there was the regular offering. There was the general offering. There was the building fund offering. They still in the same building. I'm, I'm 50 years old now. They still in the same building. I'm just saying they're still there. Never saw a new building. I'm just saying. Maybe they meant building people up. (laughs) And you prayed that there wasn't a guest speaker. Because you didn't write an honorarium check to guest speakers. You know, they took an offering after he preached. So if you're the preacher, you seem like you got to preach really good if you want to make your pay that night. And so he preaches and preaches and preaches, and then they want to take an offering. And then they sing a hymn while they're taking an offering. And then people come up and give an offering. And guess what happens? They count the offering right in front of you. And they keep singing the song. They're going to go to another verse and another verse. And they're very strategic with the songs they use. I mean, out of all the songs, it was always, I surrender all. Sing it again, y'all. I surrender all. I mean, it was amazing, right? It just, it just couldn't hit. And it kept going over and over again. They count up the offering and they'd say, yeah, we still need another $200. They'll tell you how much they need. And then they'll have you keep coming. And after a while, you're, you're just like, look, I know this ain't the spirit. It's about my clock, but I can't stand singing this one more time. I got to get out of here. Just, I'll just give the money. 
Because over and over and over again, they're compelling you out of compulsion. We're not talking about that kind of offering here. We get to do this. We get to look, not take an offering, give an offering. We're going to press pause right there for a short commercial break. When we return, we will continue Dr. Anderson's message, So What? Hi, it's Chris Roth, and recently I was searching for new flooring, and my decision has been narrowed down to 50 Floor, and here's why. First, it's simple and easy. They bring the showroom to you while offering a wide variety of flooring options. No reason to drive all over town. Also, on the day of installation, you don't have to lift a finger, or furniture for that matter. They'll do it all for you. Move your furniture, take up and haul away your old floors, install the new floors, clean up, and leave. And now until the end of the month, you're going to save big with 50 Floor's free installation sale on all carpet, hardwood, laminate, and vinyl. Plus, if you use the promo code WAVA, you'll receive an extra $100 off. 50 Floor also offers 12 months, same as cash financing. Call 877-50-FLOOR or go to 50floor.com to schedule your free in-home estimate. Remember to use the promo code WAVA to receive an additional $100 off. Call today, 877-50-FLOOR or 50floor.com. Call 877-50-FLOOR. Pick up the phone, we'll be knocking at your door. Details and licensure at 50floor.com. If you're over 50 and concerned about any of the following, stay tuned for an exclusive free bottle offer. Are you concerned about your heart health? Are you interested in healthy brain function? What about joint comfort and energy? Well, if you answered yes to any of these questions, we want to send you a free bottle of Krill Omega 50 Plus now with CoQ10. Krill Omega 50 Plus with CoQ10 combines krill oil with fish oil in one tiny pill. And this little pill delivers big health benefits to your heart heart, your joints, your arteries, and brain. And with CoQ10, you'll enjoy extra energy, too. Best of all, you can get a free bottle of Krill Omega 50 Plus with CoQ10 today. Just pay for shipping. Call right now and request your free bottle. Dial 1-800-780-1343. That's 1-800-780-1343. 1-800-780-1343. Again, call now. 1-800-780-1343. Hey folks, Rich Lee here. Well, MyPillow has now made it easier than ever to own a MyPillow. Not only are they still offering a 10-year warranty, not only is it guaranteed not to go flat, made in the USA, washable, dryable, and the official pillow of the National Sleep Foundation, but now, here's their best offer yet. For a limited time, go to MyPillow.com or call 800-517-3636 and use promo code WAVA to take advantage of Mike Lindell's four-pack special. You'll get 40% off two MyPillow premium pillows and two go-anywhere pillows. Now you can take your MyPillow with you when you travel and even give one to a friend there is no excuse to delay any longer purchase the best pillow i have ever owned call 800-517-3636 do that today and get the four-pack special that's 40 percent off two my pillow premium pillows and two go anywhere pillows my pillow will get you into that deep sleep faster and you'll stay there longer call 800-517-3636 notice the difference a good night's sleep can make at home and now even when you travel call 800-517-3636 or my god doesn't want givers who 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 are mad because they've got to give. Our church is not about trying to make you feel guilty to give. Some of us came out of churches like that. God rest his soul. My dad had a church, a black Baptist church. It was a missionary Baptist church. I don't know of any missionaries they actually sent out, but the ladies wore white. And you used to have three offerings at least. We're not talking about that, make you feel guilty. You remember like three offerings. For us, there was the regular offering. There was the general offering. 
There was the building fund offering. They still in the same building. I'm, I'm 50 years old now. They still in the same building. I'm just saying they're still there. Never saw a new building. I'm just saying. Maybe they meant building people up. And you prayed that there wasn't a guest speaker. Because you didn't write an honorarium check to guest speakers. You know, they took an offering after he preached. So if you're the preacher, you seem like you got to preach really good if you want to make your, make your pay that night. And so he preaches and preaches and preaches, and then they want to take an offering. And then they sing a hymn while they're taking an offering. And then people come up and give an offering, and guess what happens? They count the offering right in front of you, and they keep singing a the song. They're going to go to another verse and another verse, and they're very strategic with the songs they use. I mean, out of all the songs, it was always... I surrender all. Sing it again, y'all. I surrender all. I mean, it was amazing, right? Just, it just couldn't hit. And it kept going over and over again. They count up the offering and they'd say, yeah, we still need another $200. They'll tell you how much they need. And then they'll have you keep coming, and after a while, you're just like, look, I know this ain't the spirit. It's about my clock, but I can't stand singing this one more time. I got to get out of here. Just, I'll just get the money. Because over and over and over again, they're compelling you out of compulsion. We're not talking about that kind of offering here. We get to do this. We get to, look, not take an offering, give an offering. We have the joy of being able to get in on what God is up to and to connect to God's divine economy. And so we got to make sure that we understand that this is actually an opportunity. This is actually an opportunity to do something that a lot of people don't get to take advantage of. That's why when my boy got his job in New York, he just graduated. I told some of you uh, from college and he's moving to New York tomorrow and we're packing up the truck and and taking him up there, and, and uh, you know, we saw what his salary was, and we sent him a budget, and we talked through. First 10% goes to God. Next 10% goes to saving. And the other 80%, you got to pay some bills. Well, why don't we start with that college loan? <laughs> um, you know, but, you know, we get the fathers have some sway over this. So what are we saying? Repent if you're robbing God. Two, ask God for the heartbeat and the mindset for generosity. And three, pray about and prepare your heart this sacred week, as Gary called it, of what you're going to be in on next week, what you're going to give next week, and then also really what you're going to to commit to give uh, for the next 18 months. Some people want me to preach more about giving. And, uh, some people, as soon as you preach about giving, say you're preaching too much about giving. But one of the things I know, whether I preach about it or don't preach about it, I know what God has done for me. And I know that I'm a delightful life. Thank you, Dr. Anderson, for a great word on sowing and reaping generously. For more information about Dr. Anderson and Bridgeway Community Church, please visit andersonspeaks.com. For Real Talk with Dr. David Anderson, I'm Tony Penny. We'll see you tomorrow. 
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.